Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dano, and with me as always, we have Pado. Welcome, Pado. Hello, Dano. Ooh, that sounds glum. Anyway. What happened? Group winner. Ooh, not, not a good coach, week. Supercoach happened. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, at least you didn't fucking Captain Darcy like I did. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. Group winner was Aaron with Show Me Your Heeny. That is Nashy for everyone at home. We are... He's been listening for a while, so he got twenty five forty, and uh, he owns the Seagull Jack Zebel. Fuck yeah, saved my week. Uh, Bontepelli is captain. Tom Green, any others? Uh, yeah, Jordan Dawson, um, Clayton Oliver. You know all the guys that I should fucking have in my team. Um, Tom Green, <laughs> the guy I fucking traded out. Uh, Max Gorn, who's a nice little POD at four percent. I'm sure we'll talk about him tonight, Dano, and. Uh, yeah, Josh Dunkley, Errol Goulden, who had the best wing game you'll ever fucking see from a player. Yep. Um, so, yeah, no, good good team, Nashi. Uh, I know you won a few of these last year, and congratulations on, I believe, your first one for this year. So we'll all be showing Nashi Alhini this week. Yes, we will. Anyway, injuries and suspensions. So Rowan Marshall uh, in the fourth quarter, I think it was, Pato, rolled his ankle or whatever. Um, he's listed as a test, but Ross the boss came out and said that um, he could have actually come back on, but because they were twice as much as their op- opposition score, uh, they just didn't risk him. Yeah, and he's also not listed on the injury list either. So I think um, I think we should be fine for any Rowan Marshall owners. Yep, Jordan Ridley, concussion. So the standard one to two, whatever it is, the fucking day turnaround. Yeah, this could be a problem though, because that year that he broke out, um, well, sorry, the six weeks that he broke out in 2021, I think it was, um, he, he had a concussion and it was a, a three-week concussion. So he's got history. So I don't think they are going to take many risks on him, um, even though their key defense stocks are fucked, to yeah. put it lightly. But um, they won't take any risks. So if you own Ridley, this is your excuse. Get, get him the fuck out of your team, like I did in round three or whatever it was. Yeah, Patrick Dangerfield, hammy. Um, shit for people that brought him in because like he was looking fucking magic. Yeah, it would, would have been a really good POD, but this is essentially why these picks are really risky. Uh, sure, not many teams have them, but the, the injury risk is just too high for, for someone like me to take this sort of risk. Um, Geelong are real fucking shady with their injury list as well. He's listed a short term, so that could mean one week. It could mean fucking five weeks. So I think maybe they'll give him until the buy and then assess him after that, um, which is, what, three weeks, I think, Dano, for their buy. They're in the round 12 buy. So, no, sorry, four weeks. So, yeah, pro- probably up until the buy that he'll miss. So you probably have to trade him out if you own him. Yep, yep. Jacob Van Royen, um suspended two weeks. Yeah, um, bit of a shame. Plays Hawthorne this week, so he misses out on a on a big score. But that, then the breaks. Yep. Ryan Anglin, uh, ankle. Listed as a test, but we're going to dive into someone waiting in the wings a bit later and why I don't think that Angwin was a good pick. Yeah, I mean, even even he's listed as a test, but I think that's a test to play VFL, not AFL. But Potentially, anyway. yeah. Adam Trelaw, hammy strain. So didn't tear it, just strained it. Um, probably two to three weeks there, Pato. 
Yeah, Trelaw and hamstring injuries name them all iconic duo. <laughs> and for reference, Darcy Cameron's one week away, Pato. Yes, yes, he he has put in a really strong block of training, and they've sort of touted the fact that he will probably return next week. He's got a low break even and was averaging 109. So just one to keep in mind for maybe your trade plans next week. Have a um, a contingency plan because he's obviously already forward ruck DPP, and I think I'm looking at someone like him to be really good ruck cover because I've got Sean Darcy and Rowan Marshall, and they are both injury risks. So just just good to have that cover to be able to swing between lines. Yep, yep. Now we're going to rookies. Now, it's getting fucking dire at the moment, Pato, <laughs> um, with, with rookie trading options. So, um, But one that I'm intrigued by, um, we forgot, I forgot to actually say about um, Lockie Weller as well, Pato, because it relates to our first rookie we're about to talk about. So Lockie Weller... Um, won't play again this week. Um, he's fear, still feeling soreness in that reconstructed knee of his. Um, so he's a week by week at the moment. But the first guy we've got listed down is Rory Atkins, 203K, defender slash midfielder, minus 42 break even, 79 average. So pricey rookie option for a guy that's been in the AFL system for so fucking long. And the last time I think I saw him play was for Adelaide. Um, and he's still got like three years or something left on that massive deal he you got, but anyway, um, yeah, one of the most AFL contracts you'll ever hear about. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, he he took a few kick ins, um, kind of played between half back and that. Could you call it a defensive wing? Or yeah, like, yeah, floated between wing and defense. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't mind it. People are just can't they're thinking of steering clear of him because of Lockie Weller. Uh, but I I think that they'll just find a place for him in the team at the moment because I, I don't know whether they're just going to play him to be like, oh, fuck, man, he's we're giving him so much money to play in the fucking VFL. We might as well give him six games or some shit. Yeah, um, I, th- I think his performances have actually nailed him in. Um, you, you referenced Lockie Weller there, Dano. He yeah. actually played his first game while Lockie Weller was still playing against Richmond and he scored 89 in that game without mm. the spike in kick-ins. He had the most kick-ins for Gold Coast on the weekend against Melbourne. Now, he scored 68, which is less than he did in round seven in his first game of the year. Uh, obviously, that's against Melbourne. So, um, I know Gold Coast did push Melbourne, but closer game, um, you know, Petrarca was playing, Gorn was playing, Oliver, etc. So, um, what's quite appealing is obviously his buy round. Um, anyone playing for Gold Coast and Geelong have that really good round 13 buy, where it's only two teams playing. And he's also got a pretty decent run into that buy as well. So he's got West Coast this week. Then he's got Brisbane, Western Bulldogs, and Adelaide going into the buy. The j- job security is your only real question here. Um, yeah. But I, I'm i probably going to take the risk. Same. Um, at the moment, he is one of my three trades for the week. And just hope he at least holds until round 15, so the end of the buys. Um if he gets dropped for whoever by that stage, that's all good. Like he would have made at least sort of 150K, hopefully. Um, even even 100K, I'd probably be pretty happy with. And he gives you cover throughout the buy rounds and a warm body, which is what a lot of people are missing. A lot of people are holding Charlie Constable, um, Campbell Chesser, who's probably returning this weekend. Don't know if anyone <laughs> that held him um, and guys like that. So I, th- I think the warm body, he's a mature body as well. 
Um, it's not some kid coming in with shaky job security. I, I think it's pretty locked in. So I think it's worth paying the extra 70 to 100K for the job security as well as the buy coverage. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, next one we got is Mitch Nevitt, uh, 164K mid for out there at G-Bung. Um, minus 25 break even. It's got a sub-affected average as well um, of 44. First full game, though, he got 72. Um, I didn't really catch this one, Pato, but I'm assuming that something might might have helped with, let's say, Patrick Dangerfield going down. Yeah, didn't have like huge CBA numbers, but he had a couple. So he is part of that midfield group. 72 in the first full game is actually really, really solid. He's had one price rise due to being the sub twice where he scored 14 and 46 as the sub. Um, so he's technically already had his bubble game. However, his break even is at negative 25, um, as you said. Yeah. So if he gets 60 to 70 again this weekend, which against Richmond I'm backing him in to do, um, that break even will go down and could be sort of negative 40. And then it's just, again, a case of holding through the buy. And he has that same buy. He has that same round 13 buy, which is so helpful for yeah. coverage, even though it is a rookie. Um, and this was a, a, a junior midfielder coming through as well. So with Dangerfield going down, there are midfield minutes available at Geelong. Um, Tanner Bruin may take some of those, Dano. Yeah. Tom Atkins, the other Atkins, uh, has been getting a bunch of those, but he was getting those last year as well. So that's not a huge surprise for us. As well as someone that we will mention later on in this podcast, Dano. So back to Mitch Nevitt. I don't mind it. Um if you're choosing between Nevitt and Atkins, I'd be going Atkins personally, um, especially with that DPP swing. Um, yep. But, you know, Nevitt's not bad if you can't quite get to Atkins price-wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I don't mind it at all. Um, Josh Weddle is our next one. 130K defender, minus 18 break-even, 46 uh, average. It's kind of way up whether to bring this guy in or not. And at the moment... I, I'm looking like I am, but I don't fucking know with this Hawthorne defense, Pato. Um, I don't like it, and I'm pretty sure you're going to say pass, but, yeah, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the thing that sucks is this team has so many defenders, mm. and they've got, like, no key defenders in the team to the point, well, except for Frost. James Sicily is playing lockdown key defense. Josh Weddle played key defense as well. Um, and he really is that same sort of Sicily type where he's an intercept defender, medium, medium sort of size, and should be playing on the smaller guys. So it's a bit of a shame that he's not playing that really attractive intercept role. Yep. Um, and I know they've got some key defenders in their VFL stocks as well. They've got James Blank. They've got um, that other, is it Granger Barras? Gran- yeah, Granger Barras, yep. Just doesn't make sense that they're not getting games into those guys, but it's a tough defense to crack. So this is it, yeah, this is a pass for me. I don't like it at all. That role sucks, and I think the job security kind of sucks as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm 50-50 on it at the moment. Um yeah, anyway. Some people are looking at bringing in Blake Drury, who's 102k mid slash forward a game early. He got a 51 on the weekend. He looked okay. Um, but he's not obviously playing defense like they were trialing him in the um, in the preseason, um, and he he's been referred to as Cla- um, Clarkson Clarkson's what pet essentially. So Clarkson loves him, but yeah, 
I, I, I don't. I'm. I was comfortable pulling the trigger early on Chincotta because we we saw the VFL form, and then we saw the first game form, and I'm like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. But this one, not so much. Your thoughts, Pato? Yeah, he had 13 touches. Um, didn't kick a goal playing in that forward line, but looked okay from what I saw. I was watching this game pretty closely for the first sort of uh, half, uh, three, uh, two and a half quarters because I had the captaincy on Jack Steele. Um, I did rage turn off the game because I cracked the fucking shits, but <laughs> um, Jury's score kind of stopped in that second half, so I don't know if he ran out of gas or not, but Clarkson did make comments about Drury in his post-game presser and said really positive things about his effort and intensity. And that's a team that is really lacking that sort of shit. So I think the job security is actually really, really good, but I think this is a really foolish trade-in. If only just for the injury risk, like everyone that steps on the AFL field is an injury risk, Um, even a suspension risk, like the way that they're suspending tackles and shit, on the ground this year. Like if you bring in Drury and he has a four week injury, like you're fucked because there's your buy coverage. So you've got to, you've got to give it another week to see what happens. Um, you get a free other, another look at him as well. And you just don't know what happens in that week. So I don't think this is worth the risk of training in early, um, but just keep an eye on him. And if he does well, that's awesome because I've got a 102 K Mid-forward DPP rookie to bring in next week for a cash cow like uh, like that Davey, and that's a perfect downgrade there and get you 100 and whatever K. So wait, wait, wait. That's my my advice. Yep, fair enough, Pato. And on the one gamers, um, we also have Tom Berry for the Suns. Um, he's 123K, and yeah, to be honest, I, I he could play one more game and then get pushed out. Um especially with Weller, like if, no, if they bring people back, Tom Berry is the first one that's going to go, in my opinion. What are you, what's your takes on that? Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Um, they, they brought him in as depth and I can't see him holding his spot, unfortunately. So there's another one. Wait another week. If, if Stewie Drew comes out and says, yeah, Thomas Berry is awesome. We love what he does and he's staying in the team. Then we reassess that next week, but I wouldn't be jumping on early on either of these two guys. Give him another week and see what happens next week. Yep. Okay. So we'll move on to waiting in the wings, Pato. And um, we've got a few this week. Um, but first of all, I just want to mention that George Wardlaw for the Kangaroos didn't play in the VFL. He was actually a late withdrawal. Uh, oh, you know what that usually means. Due to lingering knee soreness. But oh. they said George was probably a day or two shy of getting up for the VFL game on the weekend. He was still pretty sore with that knee. Um, because he got bruising that he suffered the week before. He had a good session on Tuesday, though, and he's he's fully and he'll fully train on Thursday to be available for the weekend. So probably hampered his AFL debut chances by a week or two, I reckon. Um, so probably a good thing, considering buys are coming up. Um, so we can wait on him. But first one in waiting in the winds, who, who is it, Pato? Who do you reckon it is? Uh, it's got to be Josh Faye, doesn't it? He was, yep, yep. <laughs> so it's Josh Fay. So his second week playing in that wing role, uh, he got 23 disposals, five marks, three inside 50s, two rebound 50s, and he kicked a snaggeroonie again. So I'm trying to – I, I want to see Fay come in for Angwin myself, whether or not Kingsley sees the same is another thing to be seen, but he'd be my strong hot take to come in, and I reckon he could make that wing his own. Um, moving on though, Pato, we go on to his 
Giants teammate Krasuski. Um, he keeps kicking bags of goals. Um, in the Giants' uh, resies, he kicked three goals, two on the weekend from 11 touches, um, and he had 10 marks. So 10 kicks, one handball, 10 marks, two tackles, three goals, two. So he is a bit, he's a swing man like Harry Himmelberg. Um, was drafted as a defender, but they're playing him forward, and he just keeps kicking them from very limited opportunities. So he's one to look out for as well. Probably won't be the greatest super coach scorer on the planet, though. So, yeah. But anyway. The thing is with that, Dano, they have subbed off Cadman the last couple of weeks. So that is potentially a replacement there, uh, maybe. Yeah, potentially, potentially. Um, I feel like it, it would be rude not to in, like suggest this guy again um, because everyone keeps complaining that he's slutting it up in the VFL and not getting mm-hmm. games, and that's Charlie mm-hmm. Unstable. 26 disposals, 18 of which were kicks, five marks, four tackles, three inside 50s, got one free against. Now, moving on, if you somehow still held on to Cam McKenzie... <laughs> He was a bit of a slut uh, for Box Hill. Got 30 disposals, but 17 of them were handballs. Six marks, seven tackles, three frees, four. So he had a good little outing there, Pato, and also kicked a snaggeroonie uh, in Box Hill's 108-51 to 51 win. So I, I don't know how many people have held on to Cam McKenzie, but hey, if you have, I think he might be coming back in. Now, Jordan Ridley, concussion, Pato. Yeah? Yes. They had someone have a really good game, well-timed, didn't they? Yes. So our man that we were monitoring in the preseason, Mature mature Body, had another good game. Rhett Montgomery, 14 kicks, 10 handballs, 11 marks, three tackles, one inside 50, five rebound 50s, and two frees four in Essendon's VFL game. So fingers fucking crossed we get to see Rhett Montgomery in AFL this week because he's been, he's been playing solid. Thoughts on that one, Pato? Yeah, I, I can't see who else they could possibly bring in to play that key defensive role with the injuries that they've got. So it kind of has to be by default. You'd think so. You'd think so. The last one for waiting in the wings, though, Pato, is another uh, repeat offender uh, for Peel Thunder, which is Mr. Warner. Um, I can't remember if it's Carl or Kyle. Fuck. I just broke K Warner. Carl. Carl Warner. W-O-R-N-E-R for those playing at home. Yeah, another 23 disposal outing, three marks, two tackles, three inside 50s, one free, thought, uh, free four. That was in a side that had Will Brody in it and fucking what's his name that always plays midfield in the waffle. Um, oh, shit. Sturt? Yeah, Sturt. And they all had around the same number of disposals. So I feel like he gets a little bit overlooked, but hopefully Mr. Warner can come in, Pado. So there's some waiting in the wings for us to keep an eye on and a couple that might actually play. Yeah, fingers crossed because we need some rookies coming in. Especially the defensive ones. Yeah. Or defensive slash midfielder ones. Um. Anyway, defender premium trading options, Pado. We've got a few that are some are sexy, some are filthy, and some are just cheap. So we'll start off with the <laughs> filthy. <laughs> A guy that I picked up in, I'm just going to brag, the guy I picked up in the $300,000 range, Jack Zebel, 541K, 111 average, 26% owned, 27 break even, absolutely fucking saved my week last week. 
Thank you, Jack Zebel, you absolute seagull pig of a man. Um, Pato's just going to rant on about his age and his health um, being an issue. No, this this made me fucking pissed off on the weekend as a non-owner because (laughs) they call Nick Dacos the fucking seagull. Yeah. Jack Zebel is that times 10. Yeah. Like, filthy. (laughs) Fucking filthy. Anyway, let's move on before I get angry. 541K, can't go wrong. Um, Tom Stewart. 604K, 106 average, 19% owned. Only 19% owned, shit. 120 break even. So still lingering in that 600K price range. Now, Richmond, what do they like to do, Pado? Oh, they like to kick it straight down the throats of anyone wearing not yellow and black. Yep, when they're going into their own forward 50, which is going to be Tom Stewart's D50, and Tom Stewart should lap the fuck up in this game. Um, So I reckon he'll hit that 120 easy. Unless that opponent's name is Tom Barras. <laughs> you know, it's funny. He, he ended up being Witherden. <laughs> yeah, and Dom Sheed of all people. Yeah, oh, funny as fuck. Um, but anyway, Tom Stewart, 19% seems too low for this man. Uh, yeah, good buy round. Can't go wrong. Yeah, and wrong, if, you but... do, if you do own him or are bringing him in, um, absolute VC, but we'll talk about that later. Now, Pado. Luke wants to know, after talking up Will Powell, did you bring him in like you said you would on the podcast? <laughs> I didn't, but I can, <laughs> confirm, I can confirm that I'm likely bringing him in this week. You said you were going to bring him in last week and you didn't, and he ended up being an absolute stud, and now he's 527K with 102 average, only in 1% of teams, 51 break even. Plays West Coast this week. Should be a little slut, Pato. What do you think? You're bringing him in. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I'm going to play around with my other trades and maybe see if I can upgrade to someone a little bit more reliable or go Sam Doherty. But I, I just love that buy round. And even if it's an end of the buy flip, uh, I, I do like the Will Powell play, even though he's a bit more expensive than he was last week. Um, I've seen the ton now, and I am and I'm, I think I'm set on doing it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just Luke, Luke's going to roast us on Twitter and fucking... Facebook and whatever. Um, I didn't say I was bringing in Will Powell. You did, but anyway. If you listened and got in Will Powell, good on you for that sexy week score that you got. Um, Sam Doherty, we got 509K, 93 average, 5% owned, which feels insane for Doherty, but given he got injured and also his shit start to the year. Yeah, anyway. um, 71 break even, but now he's cheap as chips, Pato, and he's got the last two scores of 106 and 112. So is he back? Yeah, I think he is. Um, from all accounts, looks to be moving really well um, and getting some midfield minutes again. So I, I think obviously the rest really just did him really well and I think he was really hampered by that knee. But 509000 for Sam Doherty is pretty nutty. Really, really good value for a guy who we know who, how good he can be when healthy. It just sucks that he's got that final buy, which seems like every other super coach relevant player also has. So Western Bulldogs have that buy. GWS have that buy. North Melbourne have that buy. Um, Carlton obviously have that buy. It just, it makes it tricky, but 509,000 is hard to pass up. Yep. Yep. Now, Pato, I'm going to do an official stamp on one of these mids that we're going to talk about. Oh, we haven't had one of these this year. The official stamp of Dano to say that, if you don't get this bloke in soon, you will fucking regret it. It's a bold call, but I have reasoning 
behind it. But we're going to start off with his teammate, which is Zach Merritt. The 582K, 105 average, 5% owned, 132 break even. Pato, you put Zach Merritt on this. Why have you put Zach Merritt on this? I think the Merritt matchup against Brisbane is better than Parrish um, because I think they'll roll with Dunkley on Parrish and Dunkley kept Cripps to 83 on the weekend and has been doing some defensive work while getting his own ball. So it's purely looking at this week's matchup only. However, both of these guys will go insane for the rest of the year and I will put my stamp on that as well. I think I'm going to end up getting both of these guys in over the next two weeks before an absolutely unreal run of four games. Yeah. About three games. Listeners, did you notice how I said I was going to put my stamp on one of these blokes when I talk about his teammate, but then Pato talks about Merritt and why he's going to bring him in, but talks about both players because he's like, oh, shit, maybe Dano's right. Just saying. Because the next one is Parish. Can you see the order of the run sheet, Dano? Yeah, I that's know, but the, I never mentioned the other guy. I never mentioned the, the other guy. That's the order of what I think is the relevance, and that's why they are top two. Darcy Parrish is going to get my big-ass fucking stamp of approval. You must get this guy in before his fucking reign of terror happens. He's 567K, 107 average, 4% owned, 96 break-even, Pato. Now, oh, he- Dano, I feel filthy. I'm playing with my team as we speak. If I do Parish instead of Merritt, I can afford Zebel instead of Powell. Oh, mate, I think you gotta now. And then Merritt next week. Yeah, look, I don't mind it. Um, so this is Darcy Parish's start to the year, Pato. Round one, Hawthorne, one hundred nine. Round two, Gold Coast, one twenty four. Round three, Saints. He got his lowest score of eighty two. Round four against the Giants, ninety eight. Last four games against Melbourne, Collingwood, Geelong, and Port, he's gone one hundred eight, one ten, one hundred eight, one seventeen. Pretty fucking consistent, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, he's not having those real ceiling games that he has had previously, but he's not having, sorry, the low games that he's having, but he's not really having the ceiling either. And you can't help but think the ceiling games are coming. Yes. Yeah, so this is, <laughs> funny you should mention that. So his up upcoming run, he's got West Coast two times and North Melbourne two times, just like Merritt, Yeah. Both the North Melbourne and West Coast games in round eleven and are uh, rounds eleven and twelve and rounds twenty two and twenty three. I'm pretty sure they are. That is one like back to back. That is absolutely fucking delicious. Not only mentioning that in round ten, so after they play Brisbane, they play Richmond, which Darcy Parish averages the most against, and then he also goes on to play Geelong a second time, who he averages the second most against. Now. I feel like this motherfucker is building into the form that he had when he went when he went on this. I think it was a twelve game tear back in twenty twenty one. This twelve game tear or eleven games or whatever the fuck it was went one hundred and sixty two, one hundred and seven, one hundred and fifteen, one hundred and thirty four, one hundred and fifty two, one hundred and thirty six, one hundred and sixty six, one fifteen, one twenty one, one ninety, ninety five, and then a one thirty eight. I want to be there for when Parrish does this and he's playing all of these weaker teams in this in the second half of the year and it's just I, I want to be there for the ride and I want to enjoy it and I think 560k for a bloke that could absolutely tear the competition apart for the rest of the season is way unders. I, I don't think you can go wrong with either. Yeah, I'm just putting my stamp on it cuz no no one I'm listening I listen to some other podcasts and whatnot and I looked on Twitter and everyone's talking about 
there's three guys that we're about to talk about in a row, which is Brayshaw, Mills, and Anderson, and they're all talking about those three, but no one's really talking about Darcy Parrish. And I feel like at 4% owned, he's 4% owned, Pato. Mass POD right there. I feel like you can't go wrong with this motherfucker. Well, merit, merit's even less, isn't he? Merit's 5%. Yeah, right. Um, I, the Dr. Supercoach boys did go in depth about the whole Merit and Parish thing if anyone wants to listen to, to what they said. But I, I think that the consensus is the fact that they play Richmond, West Coast, North Melbourne in a row before their bye. This is Essendon. And then they finish the year, I believe, with those same three teams in a row. No, they only play Richmond once, I'm pretty sure. The Dreamtime game. But they finish with North and West Coast somewhat in their last few weeks. Yeah. 21 and 22. Yeah. And then after that is the Giants and Collingwood who don't tag. Correct. So I I think, yeah, you're going to want the the scores against West Coast and North. You're probably going to want the Dreamtime scores as well. So I think if you plan to bring at least one of them in before their buy, and if your round 14 buy is looking shit ass like a lot of people's, there's another team with that buy. Uh, maybe you target the other one post buy um, and just ride it out. So maybe it's a parish this week, merit after the buy for that run after the buy that merit seems to do every year where he just averages 125 post buy. Now, merit. No merits break even is 132. Darcy Parrish's is 96. They'll both beat that. You reckon Merritt will beat 132? Merritt got 147 against the Lions last year. Okay. Okay. We'll move on. But yeah, I, I'm putting my stamp on Darcy Parrish. This is the one. I, and I'm trying to move heaven and earth to get this motherfucker in. I think Merritt will be over 600K by the by. And that's why it's awkward. And that's why I wanted to bring him in this week. But I may change my mind. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, I'm going to lump these next three <laughs> I mean, in together. I've, I've just seen that I can afford Zeeble if I do parish, so that may sway me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to lump these three in together. So Andy Brayshaw at 531K, 98 average, 10% owned, 54 break even. Then you've got Callum Mills, 523K, 98 average, 4% owned, 116 break even. And then we've got Noah Anderson at 605K, 115 average, 2% owned, and a 9 break even. People are looking at one of these three. Two of them are heavily discounted from what they started. The other one is heavily inflated, but for good reason. Now, starting with Brayshaw, Pato, why uh, would you consider picking Brayshaw or why not? Because I know why I am not going to. I have considered it because of the value. The value is really good, um, but I've been a real tight ass the last month and it's really affected my team. Um, I feel like... Anderson is a separate conversation. I feel like the three that should be lumped together this week is Brayshaw, Mills, and Steele, who are both at that 520 to 530 range, who they're all proven guns, proven scorers. Yep. Um, but for different reasons, they're both at the price they are. Steele and Brayshaw have been injured. Steele missed games, obviously. Um, and Callum Mills has had really shit role, who has now played midfield, but hasn't had the score to tempt people. And I think the consensus is that it can't be far away. The thing with Brayshaw is that he plays Sydney this week and I feel like he will get attention. And I feel like that person giving him that attention may well be Mills. So they could almost cancel themselves out this week, although they may choose to go Sarong instead. I think they will. I don't love Brayshaw in the smaller grounds either at the SCG. I know why I don't like Brayshaw. Why? 
because he's a massive flat track bully and his next three games are Sydney, Geelong and Melbourne. Well, he averages 102 against Melbourne. Mm, yeah, I'm still calling him a flat track bully. Um, it's kind of like Andrew Gaff was when Andrew Gaff was really good and he just played really well against the shit teams. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical on Brayshaw. Um, Callum Mills, I'm curious on because he got over 60% CBAs on the weekend, but he seems to only get these high CBAs against the good teams. And then they drop his CBA numbers against the, the weaker teams. And I, I want to see consecutive games with Mills with six, or well, let's say 40 plus percent CBAs. Like he can still score good with 40% or more. So that is, uh, yeah. Does that make you wonder, Dano, that maybe he's managing an injury? No, I think it's just horse trying different shit out. Sydney, not just with Mills, have a really bad history of having these sort of things happen and then by round 15 they sort of say, oh, yeah, he's been dealing with a knee injury all year. Like, nah. it's just the sort of shit they do and we don't really hear smoke of it because it stays internal. So until I see it, I'm not keen on Mills. I can absolutely understand why people are keen, uh, but I would wait for – his break is 116, so you can wait for – for the big score first, um, and then if you see it, then jump on, I would say. But we know how good Mills can be in that midfield role the last two years. Yep, yep. Nara Anderson at 605k, 115 average, 2% 09 break even. I want to know what the fuck's going on with Took. Well, because usually when you see guys in a fucking knee brace and shit, and you look at meniscus tear, was it a meniscus tear? I don't even think they, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and he went in for surgery, didn't he? Yep they 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 put him straight under the knife, um, but they're still listing him as TVC. Yeah, so usually that means like I think Abdul on Twitter, um, the the Scodfather, um, was saying that when he did a doctor calm down, <laughs> smashing guitars, shit like that. No, yeah. Anyway, um, when the Scodfather had a look at it, he was like, "Oh, it's at like it's at least eight weeks or something like that." It's it's usually a lot longer after like post like post surgery the recovery and getting back to running and whatnot usually about eight weeks but that's just for a normal person not an elite fucking athlete so it could actually be worthwhile grabbing Noah Anderson watching him play without Tuke and watching him absolutely pump out massive fucking scores you are point chasing but in saying that he could be out of reach really fucking fast if he keeps this up and he there's. No data to say that he can't, but there's no data that says that he can either. It's a real big yeah. YOLO. Yeah, so Noah Anderson has definitely been a better pick than Matt Rowe, Dano, since Tuke Miller went down. Uh, the fact that it still says TBC um, off the knee is uh, quite alarming, but at the same time, Gorn and... Doherty both had very similar knee injuries and they both returned within a month. So while there's no information out, it's really hard to be confident. But my personal opinion is that, well, it's not really an opinion. My thought is that I think Noah Anderson is their main mid until at least after the AFL buys. I don't think Tuke returns until sort of round 14, round 15. So I think he's good. And there's a world where Noah Anderson could be 700K in that time. And that's pretty mm. nutty. So when you think that like, if Tuke comes back, you could even <laughs> turn Anderson into Tuke and pocket the 150K and upgrade an underperforming Primo elsewhere. 
or you turn him into Clayton Oliver, who's going to have a really shit three weeks coming up, or, you know, just that uber primo that you don't have. So it's an interesting play. I think the cover during the buys is really important to, to consider as well. And yeah, that's why we are mentioning these Gold Coast and Geelong guys, because it's just it's going to be so helpful during the buys. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lot to, to pay, but it's also um, a lot to consider and a lot, lot of moving parts. Yeah, yeah. Now, Pato, you put Max Holmes uh, from Geelong on the run sheet for that um, buy structure reason. So there's four. He's forty. He's four eighty eight k, ninety five average, four percent owned, seventy two break even. So he's got a five round average of one hundred and three. Why have you put him on here? Because people will be going, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah, definitely a left field one. It's the CBAs, which actually spiked a bit once Dangerfield went down. Now he's been getting a few here and there, but he was like one of their main mids in that second half against Adelaide. And like he hasn't been scoring horribly in the role that he was playing, which was sort of half forward slash midfield slash wing. And since round four, he's gone 115, 96, 98, 103, 102. So you, you kind of know what you're going to get. He's a hard nut. He always gets a tackle, always, um, gets a fair bit of the footy, getting sort of 20 touches a game, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, but the tackle numbers are really, really good. And that's what he'll do in that midfield. And I feel like he's one of the ones that will step up into obviously not the danger field role because you can't really replace a player like that, but he'll help mitigate that by getting clearances, getting tackles and just being in that engine room. So it's not a horrible play. And it's probably a play that you could do if you have the trades. Um, He might even make you 70 or 80 K over the next sort of month or so while giving you that all important buy coverage as well. And then again, you flip him off to a, a primo. Maybe that's Tuke Miller on his return. Maybe that's someone else that's underperforming. Um, and and you play it like that as a as more of a stepping stone. But pretty decent decent coverage. And I think he'll probably have a pretty big game this Friday night against Richmond. Dana, he'll he'll cuddle a lot of guys and get lots of points doing so. While I quickly run off and grab my dog from being a barking bitch out the front, um, we'll move on to Christian Petrarca Paddock. Uh, he's 624K. I thought that transition was pretty smooth. Uh, 115 average, 12% owned, 64 break even. Now, to be honest, if you wanted to get him, it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, well, when he was sub 600K. But people are considering him because of the forward status. Now, I don't think he's going to get it, Pato. He's trending the other way. He was looking like he was going to get that 35%. Um forward time but if the current trend continues he'll get below it what are your thoughts on it yeah he is trending back the other ways of not getting it i think this hawthorne game could go either way if it's a blowout he could be rested so to speak up forward a little bit more and spike that forward time up a little bit more but then he's got Port Adelaide and frio before the dpps come in now mm. Frio probably will be a blowout. That's in Melbourne. And then the Port Adelaide game could go anyway. It depends which Port Adelaide team turns up. So it could go either way. I honestly, I think it's too much to pay just in case he doesn't get DPP. Now, obviously, he's still scoring great. Like, he's had two scores mm-hmm. below 100 in the first two weeks of the season, and they're both 97s, like, which you d- certainly wouldn't scoff at, especially with Rory Laird getting 50 in that round one. Get, round one. So yep. it's a lot to pay. His, his break even is 64 as well, and he could – like, he, he has the ability to go 150-plus against Hawthorne, like he did against North a couple of weeks ago where he got 167. 
So it is a tricky one. I almost think he's too far gone. If you brought him in before that North came at 576K, um, that was the time, I think. I think you got to let Petrarca go. He's got that really, really tough buy to cover. So I think you got to let him go, especially if you own the other big dogs like everyone else does. Yep, yep. Last one we got is mainly because of DPP, is Sam Walsh, 615K, 114 average, 6% owned, 125 break even. Now, he actually looks like he's going to get TPP, Pato, if he keeps starting at half forward flank and then running into the contest. So the only thing is, he's not he's not getting the feeds from like your Crips and whatnot that he previously got, which inflated his ceiling. Now he's just lingering kind of around the 110 kind of range, um, which do you want to spend 615K on a bloke that doesn't have that big ceiling at the moment? No way. No way. Uh, the, the thing is, though, Carlton are playing shit, and it's just like the Carlton Mills argument. At yeah. some point, you've just got to get your best midfielders in there. So I was looking up something on my computer, and my fucking Microsoft Edge has just stopped responding, and I'm sure there'll be plenty <laughs> of Google Chrome jokes in there somewhere, Dano. Oh, we're yeah. back. Here we go. Um, but I, I think I think his price probably comes down um, after if he does get DPP anyway. So he's got an awkward few weeks as well. He's got the dogs this week where there's just so many points to go around depending on how the result goes. Then he's yep. got Collingwood, who don't really tag, but obviously they've got a lot of fantasy-relevant guys. Then Sydney um, and Melbourne and Essendon and Gold Coast. So here's an awkward little run there, Dano. Um, I think you can afford to wait it out on Walsh. His price will come down. If we can get him to about 550K post his round 15 buy, just before a nice juicy matchup against Hawthorne, I think we jump on that. But I, I think... Yep. Yeah, I think we revisit this in about six weeks. Yep, I agree. Now, we've got one ruck, Pato, and you're going to think I'm crazy with my suggestion um, after we talk about him. So Maybe not. No, no, just, just wait. You'll be like, what? Max Gorn at 512K, 90 average, 4% owned, um, 80 break even. Now, you put on the run sheet that he's as cheap as you'll see him and in line to get forward DPP. I actually think he might not hit his break even this week, or he might just scrape it. Uh, what? Because there's only been one ruck that has cracked 100 against Hawthorne this season. One ruck. I did not know this when I captained Sean Darcy. I knew this during the middle of the game when Sean Darcy was playing shit. I had if I hadn't had have known this before and done my research properly, I would not have captained Sean Darcy. So, with that in mind, Pato, even though they don't have a primo ruck or anything like that at Hawthorne, and only one ruck has just scraped one hundred against Hawthorne, would you still go Max Gorn? Yes, because I a he averages one hundred and forty against Hawthorne across yep. his career. B, I, I think they'll park him forward a lot more this week. So you almost have to consider him a full forward, remembering that Jacob Van Ruin will most likely miss. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they'll bring in um, McDonald or anyone to play that role, but I, I feel like Grundy, they've been rocking about 50 50% anyway. So there's a world where I can see Gorn kicking five or six goals against Hawthorne because he'll be matched up against Sicily or someone and still gets his 140 playing as a forward. And then. He has a nice juicy matchup against Bryn Teekle, Jeremy Finlayson, or 
the corpse of Charlie Dixon or whoever <laughs> rucks for Port Adelaide the following week. So I, I can see a world, Dano, and I thought this is where you were going with with your comments about Gorn. That's why I said you'd be shocked. Where if if you weren't focusing on upgrades, if you're really happy with your team, you don't want to get rid of any rookies or, or just waiting for them to, to fatten up a little bit more, I can see a world where trading Darcy, if you own him, down to Max Gorn and pocketing the difference in cash, which is a cool 80K, isn't a horrible idea. Now, Sean Darcy is managing a bit of a knee at the moment, um, scored 77 on the weekend, and I didn't watch the game. I don't really know what happened, so I'm not going to pretend to know what happened. Um, even Rowan Marshall down to Grundy gets you 40K, Dano. Down to and, Grundy? Uh, not Grundy, gone. I was looking at Grundy on the Jesus. screen. <laughs> he's, four below, he's four below Marshall. Because um, Marshall's in 53% of teams. So if you want to try something a little bit left field, and if you're struggling for rank, like I am plummeting, Dano, hmm. playing like against Rowan Marshall, who has a little bit of an awkward ruck um, run coming up as well. Now he plays Adelaide this week, Dano, which I think is an awkward matchup because of Riley O'Brien, obviously a very physical ruckman. Um, then the Giants, I, I'm not worried about Marshall against the Giants. And then Hawthorne, who he actually had 173 against Hawthorne last year. But as you mentioned, Dano, very restrictive on rucks this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's more, by the way, as a side note, it's more that Hawthorne midfielders are actually – the Hawthorne midfield, I think, are the number one ranked clearance team in the comp, which is pretty fucking nutty considering they gave away their midfield from last year and have just rolled with – Younger guys, but anyway, that's a side note. Um, I'll just say, then, I'll just say on this, Ned Reeves is number two in the comp for hitouts to advantage rate. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. So yeah. I don't know how that's not um, transcribing to to Supercoach scoring. By the way, if if they reckon that they don't play favourites, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it is a little bit of an awkward run. So I can see a world where trading Marshall or Darcy down. To Gorn, um, pack, pocketing the funds, obviously, and um, doing what you like with that money isn't a horrible situation. And obviously, Darcy's dealing with the knee. Marshall's dealing with the ankle. Like, he'll play, but is it bruised? Is it swollen? Like, is, are they going to manage him during the games? I think the Adelaide game will actually be pretty close, so he might have to play a bit more. Um, but also returns this week, Dano, from all accounts, whether he plays VFL or AFL. So, they are getting some tall stocks back, and Caminiti's suspension has finished. Mm. So interesting. That's where I thought you were going. And no, I just think if, that the Max Gorn play could backfire hardcore on people, and he could end up. I don't think he's going to score sixty, but I reckon he could end up doing a, a Darcy or something, and just getting under eighty, or just scraping past eighty, like with an eighty-five. And his score won't fluctuate too much. I could get massive egg on my face and he pumps out at 140 and everyone will be like, I told you so, <laughs> but I look like a fucking genius if I follow the trends. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. 512 for Max Gorn, who is on track to also get forward DPP, um, is pretty nutty. With a shit buy. That's the caveat. Yeah, yeah. We've only got one forward listed down, um, and I really wanted him on the run sheet because I am... I really want Darcy Parrish, but I'm also looking at this bloke at the same time, Pato, and I am torn because one's a lot more easily gettable than the other one, and that's Bailey Smith up forward. He's mid-forward DPP, 497K, 91 average, 2% owned, 69 break even, and he's gotten, what, 
back to back or whatever fucking tons, and Trelaw's missing time, and it's just I'm trying I'm trying to convince myself not to get him. The more I look at it, the more I want him, and I'm like I can't get both Parish and Bazlenka. So, what are your thoughts on Bailey Smith? We spoke about this pre-pod, Dono, but there's probably a world where you could get both by training at Hopper, but let's not go there. We'll talk about that later, maybe. Um, I, I think this will backfire, Dono, and I, I, I'm not dismissing the pick because I don't mind it as the forward line currently stands, but if you throw into the forward line one Max Gorn and Sam Walsh, yeah, that's if Petrarca doesn't get it. I think... Bailey Smith is probably sitting about 15th, 10 to 15th in the forward rankings. And I don't think that's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Trelaw. Now they reckon that's short term. So that's only three weeks. And he's yep. also got that final buy. So I I don't like it. I think it's bad timing just because of the buy situation. And I don't think he is a better option in that forward line than people already have, like a Taranto, Dunkley, Zebel. Um, Golden, Rosie, I think they're all better picks. Even Cornelio, even Zach Butters, who nearly made the run sheet, Dano, but he's just a bit expensive. And he's injured. And cool. he had a knee knock, um, yeah. which he came back on for, but we'll see how that comes up. Um, I'd almost prefer a Toby Green play than a Bailey Smith play, Dano, personally, um, because I just don't think Bailey Smith is close enough to that upper echelon because – you got to remember, obviously, his ton this week is affected by Trelaw going down during the game. The week before, uh, Libertore was out. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I don't love it. I don't think the ceiling's high enough this year. I'd want to see it before I jumped on. And the break-even is 69, so hey, uh, it's not even super high, uh, super low where he's going to jump up in price. He might move over just over 500K, um, but if he has a big game, maybe we recess next week, but not for me. Yep, yep. Now, Pato, we have had a fuck ton of questions from the listeners. Facebook has gone yeah. off. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. what happens when I'm not a fuckhead and get it in early. <laughs> so we'll start off with Facebook. So Jason says Max Holmes as a POD, question mark. Uh, um, we, we sort of touched on this. I don't yep. I don't mind it as a play, but it probably depends on the trade situation. Um, he wouldn't yeah. be a keeper. But I don't mind it as buy coverage. A lot of people are going towards the Will Powers and Noah Andersons of the world. Tom Stewart, obviously, is in a lot of teams as well. So if you just go against the grain a bit and go a Max Holmes, maybe he does go 110, 115 without Dangerfield and you're going to look like a fucking genius and he'd be 550 to 560 sort of at the back end of the buy and just flick him onto a primo that you want. So don't mind it. Don't mind it. Goth vibes? Question mark? Uh, currently out injured. I don't think he's going to play this week, no, no. Dano. I think but... you misinterpret what I mean. Does this have Cam Guthrie vibes? Oh. <laughs> Are we going to be the first ones to sort of like... And... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Baden says, I've got around 20 trades and two boosts left. Fuck yeah. Good on you, man. Um, after early trades this week. Oh, this man has held into his trades. He, you'll like him, Pato. Reckon I should stick fat with Daniel Rioli or sideways him or just stick with the one up, one down sort of vibe. Cheers, guys. I personally would keep up the upgrade cadence, as as they say. Um, And then by time, I think that's when you would flick on Daniel Rioli. 
Um, keep in mind that next week, not this week, but next week is dream time. And I think you'll be pretty keen to do well in that for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, usually yeah. does do well against Essendon in dream time as well. So I think you see how he goes there. Then I think we have one more game after that and then the buy. So I think that's a buy flip for me personally, Baden. Uh, good job on keeping, keeping um, solid with those trades as well. I think, You'll make up a lot of ground by having those trades available. And I'm also hoping it's the same for myself, Dano, because something's got to go right for me soon. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you guys for holding your trades. I'm fucked. Um, I'm still okay. Now, Ian has said, hi, uh, hey, legends. Last week, I swapped and changed my trades between Tom Stewart and Noah Anderson, trying to decide who to bring in. Now, obviously, I went Tom Stewart and planned on bringing in Anderson this week after seeing him perform against a premium midfield. Because he has gone up over 600k, I'm I'm wondering if I should still stick to my plan as it works with my buyers, or should I go for value of Andy Brayshaw? And then he goes, and Dano, can you ask Pato for me <laughs> if Doherty is a good replacement for Barras? I'm not talking to him at the moment. <laughs> Oh, Ian, I know, like, I said it over the weekend. I tweeted, I apologised profusely. I was watching the game kind of happy because Richmond actually looked like winning a game and we won a game, which I was pretty happy with. But I was still fucking dead by the end of that game because (laughs) Tom Barras is out there planting fucking potato seeds because he's a fucking spud. (laughs) He had 120 just waiting for him and he just fucking sat there counting the fucking crowd or the or the lights in the sky, like the seagulls. I don't know what the fuck he was doing, but he wasn't getting anywhere near the ball. Uh, back to Tom Stewart, Noah Anderson vibe. So he's does he keep to his plan and bring Anderson in this week at 6-0, whatever it is, K? Or does he go for value of Andy Brayshaw? So one, Noah Anderson at 600K plus because it works in with his buyers or go for value of Andy Brayshaw? I think it probably depends on the trade situation because getting Brayshaw in means that it's probably going to help down the line with future upgrades. And I don't know if Noah Anderson will be a proper keeper. Like I think he'll score really well until Took gets back. And then I think he'll just come back to the sort of 105 sort of range. And that, there's nothing wrong with that as your M7, M8. But can you then afford the trades to move Anderson back on to maybe even a Took? Um, or whatnot. So I think you've got to assess the trade situation and, and go from that. Um, in terms of the second part of the question, yes. Um, <laughs> get that potato farmer out of your team. Um, Doherty's a brilliant replacement. <laughs> I am sticking with the upgrade cadence and I am going to hold that fucking spastic until he's by. And unfortunately, he doesn't have the round 12 buy. So... Oh, anyway, um, his scores will probably drop out of my fucking best 18. That's how shit that fucker is. Anyway. Oh, I really just want to audio clip this and use it as a fucking trailer for the next part. I mean, if you want to, if you want to. Oh, fucking hell. Beeps. <laughs> um, Sam goes, I have Liam Jones sitting on my bench. Do I hold him for the week or get oh. rid of him for either Atkins or Weddle? Speaking of potato farmers, Liam Jones, fuck. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I like, well, we've already discussed Atkins. He's got, to, so Sam has 20 trades left and 130K in the bank. Um, I say if he can get Atkins, I don't mind him. Yeah, I think Atkins out of those two. I, we don't even know if Weddle's going to play this weekend. I think it's a little bit shaky. So 
Jones to Atkins, I really like, especially with 20 trades. I, I, I like that. Now, Sam went on to say, if I do Weddle and then trade Baker from the Western Bulldogs, he has 580k to play with. Best option at 580k in any in any line. He said he's doing everything he can without using a boost to get Neil in because we all know how well he goes against the Bombers. Now, you take away Neil's big 170 game and he's only averaging like 95, Pato, which is scary. Yeah, I'm going to want to see some uh, form before I even contemplate bringing Neil in. I think Dunkley coming in has kind of affected him in a way. Even Ashcroft. Even Ashcroft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in terms of the 580K range, I think if Sam has listened to the previous part of this podcast, he'll know that we're going to mention Merritt or Parrish. They're the two. Um, Parrish, Parrish. If, if you've got 582, um, I'd really like Merritt. Um, have a look at his history against Brisbane and you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but if you can't Parrish. quite get there, Parrish isn't a horrible number two either. So whichever one of those two, get them in, don't ask questions, and chuck the C on them. I think they've got a later game this weekend. Parrish. Um, and get rid of the potato farmer. Send him to work with fucking Tom Barras. That's where they both belong on a fucking potato farm in the middle of nowhere with no reception. I cannot fucking ever hear from those fuckers again. <laughs> also, I didn't start Liam Jones because we said he was a potato farmer at the start of the season, and it came true. Tom Barras, I should have. Anyway. Parish. Anyway, <laughs> Duncan has said, I have Setterfield and Ridley and no cash in the bank. Do I hold oh, Setterfield and... Yeah. Do I hold Setterfield and upgrade Ridley? Um, so, but he's not playing, so he won't lose any cash, or vice versa. Or does he trade both plus Jacob Van Royen and get a primo Atkins and a rookie, either Weddle or Drury? Yeah. It's a bit if, hard. If, if you can somehow downgrade with that third trade, so whether you go JVR to, don't love suggesting this, but Drury, and get Setterfield and Ridley to two primos, even if that is one of the Essendon midfielders, you've got to jump on one of those. And then like a, a, a more sort of lower priced premium. I, I don't mind that. If you can't afford that, I would, yeah, go Atkins for Ridley and then Setterfield to one of the Essendon mids. That's what I would do. Yeah. Now, for those playing at home, Whenever I'm bullish on something, like overly bullish, they've 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 popped off, haven't they, Pato? I was overly bullish on Cam Guthrie three years ago, two years ago. I can't remember when he when he fucking absolutely popped off. I was overly bullish on Aaron Hall when he came in and was cheap as chips, and I called it like probably a round to two rounds early, and he fucking popped off. And I'm going bullish on Parish, man. I reckon this is the biggest fucking play of the season. And I'm going to stick by it and, yeah, fucking go Parish, Get Parish if you can, Duncan. It, but if Duncan already has Parish, then go with what Parrish just said. I think there's a world where you can live with both Merit and Parish, considering their sexy as draw for the rest of the year. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yep. They'll make finals too, which is fucking filthy. But anyway. <laughs> Aaron Monish, aka Nashi, our weekly winner, says... Looking at possibly getting a primo mid in this week, my options are a discounted Mills or Andy Brayshaw already have steel. Or spend a tad more and get a parish type. Just fuck it. I don't care about the rest of the question. Just get parish. <laughs> we should be asking um Nashi for advice, honestly. But no. Um I'm gonna say merit, you're gonna say parish. Make your make your choice. 
well, Duncan, who just did the previous question, actually commented on Aaron's post and said, big fan of Zach Merritt this week. Ooh. And, and, and as I mentioned earlier, that's purely because of the matchup this week. I think Merritt goes 130-plus, and I think Parrish gets about 110 maybe in a head-to-head roll against Dunkley. And that's okay. why I'm leaning towards Merritt. Um, but I'm not – like, I'm not against Parrish. I think he will go 115-plus on the rest of the year. I just – it's an awkward matchup against Brisbane this week. I think only one of them will pop off, and I think it'll be Merritt. I reckon Parrish will. But obviously, um, obviously, you're not trading them in just for this week. So I, I can't disagree with the parish call. Um, and if you can't quite get the 50, 15K or whatever is the difference, then obviously 20, parish is yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, Nathan says, Mills, an option with the mid-roll. Looks like Sydney getting healthy in their defense. Best option out of Steel, Parish, Andy Brayshaw, and Mills. Fucking Parish. <laughs> <laughs> Or is it time to spend up and get Oliver? Means cashing in Ashcroft instead of Ginby. I would say cash in Ginby. Um, the Oliver call. How many times has he gone over like one twenty five this year? I think it's only been one or two, Dano, and he hasn't quite had his big sort of one sixty score that he seems to have every year. Um, oh, actually, no. He's he's had what one, two, three, four, five over one twenty. Let's have a look. So he's only gone under 100 once. He's only had yeah. gone under 100 once, and that was against the team that I thought he'd get 180 against in Richmond. Mm. So he's got, I've, yeah. I've been on the record, and I'll, I'll stand by my statement. His next three weeks, I don't think he's scoring over 120, and that's where I think he'll be cheaper by his buy. Yeah, they've got him dropping, projected to drop um, by the start of, Round twelve at six thirty to six thirty four k. So, yeah, interesting. And that's, um, and that's with him scoring one hundred and twenty this one hundred and twenty one this week. Where I don't think he's going to get there against Nash. Yeah, valid, valid. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all about Parish. So fucking Parish. Yeah, same Parish. Uh, absolutely. We'll keep, we'll keep murdering through these. Um, was uh, Pantelis was LDU a mistake? Yes. <laughs> we said that before that everyone traded him in. It's a trap. Um, Rick says, what's the percentage of Gorn getting forward DPP? Um, I think he's at 39 or something at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he's definitely on track and he's been yeah. getting 50% forward time um, with Grundy in the team. So yeah, he'll probably get it. Yeah, it's looking very likely. If I was to, to rate the possibility out of 100%, it's probably at about 80% chance of happening. Uh, we'll keep powering through this because we've got to try and get this podcast done, Pato. Um, Daniel says, Grundy to Gorn or English? Gorn. Money-wise, Gorn. If you've got no worries with money, English. Um, Luke says, any guys... <laughs> He says, any guys named on your pod this week, I want to see screenshots of them traded into your teams after their team's <laughs> game has started to prove you have gotten them in. <laughs> done, done. I'll send it through. Yeah, okay. Michael says, getting a primo mid this week. Out of the following, who do I grab? Oliver, Laird, Dawson. Um, he also needs the bond, but we'll need him to drop in price for some, um, in some time. Um, yeah, I <sighs> Parish, even though he's not listed. <laughs> I'm going to uh, find my fine. Twitter fucking question and it seems to have disappeared, which is weird. Uh, I've got it. I've got it up. Um, but anyway, I I was looking at Laird the other week and didn't grab him. Um, he's still plugging along well. Yeah, Laird, not, Laird's not overly well. Really, but... 
Yeah, Laird's at a really good price, but I feel like you want to see the game first because he has been dealing with that niggle. And he's got a break even of 149. Well, that's not super high for Laird. <sighs> yeah, look, in an ideal world, you'd probably want Oliver. But if you, I, f- I feel like Dawson is kind of, Dawson's the same price and DPP. Let's say Dawson. Fuck it. The thing um, is, you, nah, let's if you going. want to make up, if you want to make up ground, Dawson's gone. You got to go against him. Harish, um, Liam <laughs> <laughs> says I asked last week about Setterfield. I ended up holding him, but is it time now to get rid of him before he loses too much cash? Well, should I hold him and prioritize getting my last four rookies off the field? Keep in mind, my rookies are still making money. Cheers, boys. Depends on the rookies, honestly. Um, if it's Chandler and Ashcroft, etc., then no, um, trade Setterfield. But if it's like Oscar Baker and fucking... Get the rookies off the field. Else, then I'd be getting the rookies off. So it all depends. Um, but Setterfield's right. He got zero CBAs on the weekend, don't I? So I think he's cooked. Yeah, Simon says trade Setterfield to Anderson as he has good buy or to, or to say a parish and bank 60K. Fucking parish. Parish. Oh, thank you. You agreed. Um, going to Pato's Twitter and now it's disappeared off me as well. Oh, there it is. So <laughs> Nerds for Life says, what are your thoughts on moving Ashcroft on? Warm bodies. He's, did he score 100 on the weekend? Uh, no, he didn't, but he tends to score 100 up at the Gabba. Um, if it's worth anything, I am most likely trading out Ashcroft this weekend. Fun fact you say about the Gabba, I just noticed that all... Uh, here we go. So these... Uh, fucking Neil hasn't actually dropped below 100 at the Gabba this season. And he's got two games mm. at the Gabba in a row. Fuck. Okay. Sorry. Sidetracked there. Um, moving on. <laughs> I've lost... Yeah, the, if the it's going to help... If it's going to up, help upgrade your team, I'm all for moving Ashcroft on. It just depends. Um, if you're moving him him in for a guy like S, uh, like an Essendon, one of those Essendon mids that have a really good run until his buy and then it's just going to fucking explode like we're pretty confident that they will, then I think it's worth the upgrade, even if Ashcroft does still score 80-plus this weekend. But yep. uh, it all depends on what you're doing with the trade. Okay, we're going to try and rattle off these next five minutes really fast. So, Scoby Bryant says, if you multiply 10 by 12 and add 4.5, what do you get? Keep this answer in mind. Now, if you were to multiply 10 by 8 and subtract 0.4 from it, what would you get? Is the second answer reflective of how shit Barass is? And is the the first reflective of how good Dawson is? I can't even be bothered calculating that. Yes, next. Scoby Bryant says, if you had to choose, who's the biggest wanker out of Papley and Tom Lynch and why is it so hard to answer? (laughs) Yeah, they're, both, they're <laughs> both pretty floggy. Okay. Josh says Anderson this week, Mills next week, or Mills this week and Merritt next week. Ooh. I think Merritt this week, Mills next week. There is no Merritt option in the first one. Um, but anyway. Yeah, but Merritt's cheaper than Anderson, so he can clearly afford yeah, but, Merritt instead. Yeah, but maybe he really wants Anderson. Merritt for his 140 this week. Parish. Although Anderson's going 160 this week, so parish um okay so we're not called the super coach co-captains for nothing every week we give you guys your vc and c options to set your team apart for the rest we have two friday games pato friday night games first one is richmond versus geelong yeah they've really hidden that west coast gold coast game yeah i know they have and the mcg tom stewart for a cheeky vc because he'll lap it up against richmond yep 100 no one else Um, no one else no okay oh maybe toronto 
I was thinking that. West Coast versus Gold Coast, the Battle of the Coast from Coast to Coast at Optus Stadium. Noah Anderson. Noah, Noah fucking Anderson. Surely. Also, if anyone has jo- um, Jared Witts, who should manhandle Bailey Williams as well. That's true. Um, I can't see anything else in this game. Um, Saturday, Sydney versus Frio at the SCG. Paddo. This will be the worst game of the weekend. No. Yeah, this will really be like defensive. This will be kick mark. This will be fucking dour shit. Next game, Errol Goulden VC. No, no. Okay, North Melbourne versus Port Adelaide at BA. Fucking what's that again? The Blundstone. Blundstone. Yeah, Blundstone. The Boot Arena. Jack Zebel VC. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> Port Adelaide do. Port Adelaide do restrict defenders though. So on a rosy. Rosie Butters, I don't mind at all. Oh. Um, I think they'll do pretty well. Let's rattle these off. Two minutes, 30 seconds. Hawthorne versus Melbourne at the MCG, still on a Saturday. 2.10 p.m. Uh, Petrarca, gone. Sorry, that's 4.35 p.m. Fuck, I looked at the wrong game. But, yeah, um, I don't like Gorn in this one um, as a VC option. I'm going to say it. Petrarca. Oliver, you name it, either one of them. Brisbane versus Essendon at the Gabba. Oliver's getting tagged in that game. Brisbane versus Essendon at the Gabba. <laughs> Come on, Pato, quick. Lucky Neil. Lucky Neil, because it's the Gabba. Darcy Parrish, let's yep. fucking go. Um, yeah, Zach Merritt, Darcy Parrish. I think all three will have really big scores, and hopefully Dunkley as well. Yep, okay. Yeah. Carlton versus Western Bulldogs at Marvel. Get on the bont. Get on the motherfucking bont. Yeah, he'll most likely be my C. Yep, yep, cool. And then, oh, shit, we got Sunday's game. Only two games on a Sunday. That's fucking weird. Yeah, Mother's Day. Yeah, that's true. Um, Adelaide versus St. Kilda at Adelaide Oval. Uh, <laughs> Dawson. Yep, fair. No um, one else? I would be backing Laird with his injury concerns, so that's about it. Yep, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, not about it. Um, and the last game, Collingwood versus the Giants at the MCG. Dacos. You like him, the Disco Dacos? You don't think that they're going to work, put more work into him like everyone else? No, nah, they'll let him do what he wants. Um, uh, Kingsley's on, already said on. that they won't. <laughs> yep, yep. They won't We've got take less him. than a minute. we got this. Um, Josh, don't like Tom Green Josh Kelly. Anymore. Josh Kelly. Josh yep. Kelly. Yep, sweet. Sweet. Anything else you'd like to add? No. Nah. No? Nah. What's your Twitter handle quickly? At P-A-T-T-O-S-T-R-C. Mine is at D-A-N-E-O-S-Triple-C. So from us at the Supercoach Co-Captains, I am Dano. I'm Pato. And this is us signing. Fuck off. Woo! Fucking did it.